Life is an epic journey. Live it unleashed. Hey, fellow journeyers, Jeremy here. Welcome back to the Living Unleashed podcast. You know, we are on an epic journey to discover a life that is unleashed. God offers us a passionate life. It is defined by hope, filled with joy, marked by peace, and walks in freedom. Hey, I'm so glad you joined us again today as we continue on this journey together here on the Living Unleashed podcast. We have been intentionally shaping our lives by journeying with Luke as we continue through the book of Luke and Acts. Right now, we are in Acts chapter 17. I do want to remind you that uh, we I'm busy planning for season three of the Living Unleashed podcast. If you have any suggestions or requests for what you would like to see covered in that season, I invite you to send an email to me at jeremy at livingunleashed.org. So let's jump right on into Acts chapter 17. Here in the 17th chapter of Acts, I want to hone in on an account that begins in verse 16. Paul has found himself in the city of Athens, and he is waiting there for Silas and Timothy to come join him. While he's there, he has wandered around the city. He's visited the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks there. And uh, one of the things it says, and right off the bat in verse 16, is that Paul was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Now, I want us to think about that for just a second. I'm afraid that in our day and age, when we think about idols, we don't take it too seriously. And what I mean by that is when we think about sin, when we think about what is offensive to God, I think we have a habit of thinking more about um, our actions um, moral uh, failings is what we tend to process and think. And although those are true, we have to remember that one of the things that got the nation of Israel in trouble time and time again was the worship of idols. As a matter of fact, a, the command to not worship idols is one of the Ten Commandments. It's one of the foundations of the Old Testament law that we are not to have any other gods before God. He's the only one. And so I stress that to say that when it says that Paul was distressed by all these idols, I mean, this was something that he really found disturbing. Uh, perhaps we could even say offensive. This was something that really would have bothered him. Now, one of the things I always find interesting when I'm reading through Scripture, and something I might encourage you to think about when you're reading, is when I, when you start to read an account and you get the setup, because oftentimes there's a setup, like here. This first verse sets it up. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Now, that's the setup for what's about to happen. What I find is that if I stop there, and I think, okay, put myself in that situation. How might I react or respond? What might I do? And the reason I would encourage you to think about that when you're reading through a passage is what I find more often than not is 
you know, my reaction, if I'm honest about what my gut reaction is or, or what my, you know, knee kick, uh, knee jerk reaction is, um, is it's not the same as what Jesus ends up doing or what Paul ends up doing or what Peter ends up doing. Uh, in this case, it sets it up that Paul was greatly distressed. And so I'm thinking, all right, so, you know, the reaction is, uh, let's, let's go in and really just, you know, let them have it of how horrible this is that they're worshiping idols. Let's just go in and make sure they understand the judgment that's going to be dropped against them uh, or brought against them because of this, this worship of idols. Um, I mean, that is kind of the reaction you might expect from our humanness um, and from the seriousness of this, but this isn't what happens. As a matter of fact, Paul goes into the marketplace and uh, he happens across a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, and it says he began to debate with them, okay? He, they were debating with him, and so he's, he uh, is um, talking uh, with them, and, and they're not really being kind even in the debate um, because, I mean, what is, what is stated in Luke's gospel says some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Um, you know, and so they were, I mean, they weren't even necessarily kind in this debate, which only adds to the feeling that, all right, Paul, just let them have, just give them both barrels. Just let them have it. Let them really feel the wrath of God. But that's not what Paul does. As he continues to meet with them, he ends up in a meeting of the Areopagus. And while he is there, here is the phrase that he starts with. He says, uh, we're in verse 22, it says, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are, so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. What happens is, Paul looks at all of the idols, and instead of condemning them, he finds a redeeming quality in that, that they're highly religious, that they are, um, that, that they are looking for God. Uh, they just have looked for gods instead of God. But he notices this inscription to an unknown God. And instead of saying, well, you can't have uh, an idol to this unknown God because he, no, no graven image can be made of him, he instead says, let me tell you about him. And he, he takes the moment and he redeems the moment. And in place of giving them a lecture that, turned, that might turn them um, off or cause them to be defensive and not listen, he instead approaches it and, and commends them. He commends their religiousness and uses one of their objects of worship to point them to the one true God. And, and it says, you know, that many of them received this. They wanted to, and they wanted to hear more. Um, you know, they, they invited him to come out. They wanted to hear more about this and that some even came to believe. Now, what an approach. And it causes me to think about how we approach others in our lives. We may have folks in our life where we are greatly distressed by what they do. We're greatly distressed by how they act. We, greatly, we are greatly distressed by what they're worshiping in their life. And, and just as Paul was distressed. But Paul took his distressedness, if you will, and he turned it into 
a compassionate outreach to find what qualities he could redeem were redeemable qualities about what they were doing and turn their attention then and turn their eyes toward the, towards the one living God. So what I want to ask you is for those in your life who maybe have habits and actions and beliefs and all and the like that is are distressing to you is it possible that there is some quality about them some quality about who they are some quality about how they're going about things that is actually redeemable uh, it serves very well in our Christian walk uh, just like he said I see that you're very religious okay you're very attuned to spiritual things. So let me point you to the one true God and, and direct that religiosity, that spirituality that you have to the one true God. And how might you do that? And might it have a greater impact on that individual or individual's lives if you did that instead of you condemning them and telling them how wrong they are and how horrible they are and how distressed they've made you or how disgusted they've made you, uh, uh, or whatever. What happens if we reach out in that way? Because we don't even just see Paul doing this, but I think we can see examples of this even in the life of Jesus and how he approached and talked with folks whom the religious leaders considered unclean and unworthy to be spoken to even because they condemned Jesus for doing so. But he reached out in love, not to just accept everything those people did, but to reach out and to find a connection where he could tell them about true life in God. And uh, that's what I think we find here. So I'm really going to invite you to do that. Look into your life that way. And instead of responding, I mean, there's so much anger in this world right now. There's so much angst. There's so much judgment and, and finger pointing. What if, what if you can find a redeeming quality that'll point them to Christ that would change those beliefs and behaviors instead of just outright condemning the beliefs and behaviors. Uh, and this isn't a way just to say, I'm okay, you're okay, and I'm just going to leave people alone. But it's saying, approach it differently. Uh, you, have, you have this message of life if you have Christ, and we want others to get it. And maybe the best way to get them to get it is to not jump down their throat, but to encourage them in love and help them and help direct some aspect of their life that is redeemable, if you will to God so that they can see him truly and come to know him. And then the Holy Spirit will do the work of changing some of that other stuff. And that's what we have to trust. So uh, I just I just think this is awesome. Pastor, you go back and reread this. I think it's an awesome I think it's it's an awesome way to look at witnessing. It's an awesome way uh, to see how we can share the good news with others. And so I just encourage you to do that and uh, take a look at that again. If you haven't had a chance to read Acts chapter 17, it, it's really a good chapter, uh, but I would uh, really in, invite you to focus on verses 16 on through the end of the chapter uh, and just see how Paul does it and see how that might apply to us. So, hey, I hope you have a great day. Thanks for joining me again. It's awesome that we can have this journey together. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow as we journey uh, some more into Acts chapter 18. So as you go through the rest of today, I pray that you will keep on living unleashed. Unleashed.